right. Welcome to the fourth node podcast. Um, Finally. This is, this is episode zero. Yep. This is the first episode. We've done a few episodes by now. Do we want to admit that or not? Sure. I actually think it's helpful. Yeah, it is. context. Um, we still don't know what we're doing, by the way. We have no idea. Nope. We were actually just praising Bill Simmons. Yeah, after doing a few of these, you watch a guy like Bill Simmons just create hours and hours of content on the fly every single day. It's truly amazing. I mean, by this point, he's got to be sleeping with a microphone. Like, yeah. It just, you know, in headphones. We'll do our best, though. We're trying to be fast learners. We'll do our best to make these engaging and somewhat uh, entertaining and hopefully educational. I think it'll be fun. So I'll kick us off. Um, just so you can distinguish or get a sense for whose voice is whose. Um, my name is Nico Dato. Uh, I am the chief marketing officer here at Entrada. Um, been here for a couple of months. Um, and Adam, you and I actually met at our prior job. Uh, we both worked for Podium. Um, you were the president. I ran marketing. Um, that's kind of where we met. And then obviously the chapter turned. Now we're both at Entrada. Mm -hmm. Really grateful for that. Um, Prior to that, I had a couple other jobs, but that was really kind of my intro into tech was, was that podium job, which I'm forever grateful for. It, it really was my kicking off point um, and still have so much love uh, for that company and the people there. But mm -hmm. give a little bit of background on yourself prior to Entrada, yeah. Podium. Yeah, so coming up on two years at Entrada, um, you know, love it here. But before this was at Podium for about five years, was the president there on the board, loved, like he said, just loved, loved every second there. Uh, before that, I'd started a company called Allegiance that was in the customer survey space that I sold in 2014. Um, and then before that, my first company I started in college was called Silent Whistle. Um, I started that when I was at BYU in 2003, which kind of leads to, you know, this whole podcast. Um, I graduated BYU with a master's of accounting, having no clue how to start a business. And I just started every day. My goal for my first few years was to go take somebody new to lunch and started to hear all these stories of these old entrepreneurs and these old companies and um, just became fascinated with how Utah was built. Well, and I met you in 2015, mm -hmm. I think the spring of 2015. Um, I think you, were you a board advisor for Podium? Yeah, I was, uh, early 2015 is when I got involved on the board. Okay. Uh, and then you decided to join. And I remember, uh, even back then you would always drop these names and it wasn't in a name dropping basis. You just knew the history of Utah tech. You knew who could help us solve a specific problem. You had other companies that you would reference when you talked about a problem that we were, you know, facing or trying to overcome. And you fast forward to today. And you still know pretty much all of the companies from the people that we've spoken with that I'm guessing most of the listeners on this will have no idea about mm -hmm. or, or, or have never heard of. Um, and then the, the people, um, you don't just know the names, you know, the stories of kind of, you know, their background, what they did, um, which I think is really interesting. Um, and I think that is partially what led us to start this is your curiosity, your appreciation you know, insert whatever word you want there throughout your time building businesses of trying to pick these people's brains and understand what they did. Yeah. Yeah. I started in 03, you know, as a little background, I was, I was going to be a heart surgeon for my entire life. 
the artificial heart was created at the University of Utah when I was in second grade and a doctor came and showed it to us. And from that point forward, I was going to be a doctor. So when you think of like all the high school exam you take, I was always doing everything into the mindset I was going to be a doctor. And then I met, a, I had a friend whose dad was a heart surgeon at the University of Utah. And I found out I had to do 16 years of school and training. And I'm like, I'm out on that. So I ended up going into business. I just didn't know what that meant. Yeah. Um, I grew up in South Jordan. I just, my dad sold garage doors and was in construction. And my mom, you know, uh, was at home and then put herself through nursing school. I just didn't understand business. I didn't know anything about starting a company. But then in college, I got just obsessed. I had this class from Larry, Larry Miller, uh, about a year before I graduated. And I just, he, he would just come twice a week for three hours and just tell stories of how he started his business, how he bought his first dealership in 78, how he bought the jazz. And I just was obsessed. And I would follow him out to his car every day, just picking his brain. And really what I was after was I wanted to be the CFO of the jazz one day. Accounting was my degree. Um, but one day he was, he was talking to us and he said, look, you're all young. You don't have mortgages and kids yet. If you're ever going to go start a company, do it now. Because if it doesn't work, who cares? You have a degree, you can go get a job. And I just bought into that. But once I got out there, you know, I'd see these people come and speak, these former entrepreneurs, I'd speak at BYU. And I had no idea how to bridge the gap between me and them. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's why I just started taking people to lunch. And I started to learn about these companies. You know, Novell was still alive when I got into the game yeah. in, in 2003. Um, WordPerfect had already been acquired by Novell, but Omniture uh, was just raising their Series A. Altiris was still a new company. And so I just started to go meet all these people. Um, you know, megahertz is a company I started yeah. to learn more about. And that's kind of getting back to why we called this, you know, why we called this the fourth node. A lot of it linked back to this group in the 70s of students at the University of Utah yeah. that all came out of the computer science department um, after the University of Utah was the fourth node of the internet. Yep. And you can kind of trace all these stories back to that, back to that time. And I just, I've become an observer. I've been, you know, I've been in the tech space here in Utah long enough. Now I'm almost at 20 years that I've kind of seen a lot of the change myself and have been involved in a lot of the change. But, you know, it, it was, it was um, long enough to ago that I got into this, that those stories were still relevant. A lot of those founders were still around. Um, and I just think it's important for people to know how this community was built yeah. and what the motivations were behind some of the entrepreneurs and just the stories you hear of one little decision different or one little thing goes wrong. And Utah is a very, very different place. Um, yeah. And uh, in these couple episodes that we've recorded, you hear that a number of times, these key decision points or moments uh, could have spun it a, a completely different way. I've heard you talk about the Larry Miller piece a couple of times. Um, you were even quoted on his book cover. Is that right? Mm -hmm. Okay. Big, big deal. Me, David Stern and that's, Mitt Romney. That's, that's kind of, that's that, pretty was, good group. that was the peak for that's me. That's a good yeah. group. Um, I haven't heard as much though, admittedly on who are some of those people that you were taking to lunch or picking their brains on? Yeah. Um, so the only other, so after Larry Miller, the only other entrepreneur I'd ever heard of was my uncle's brother, David Spafford, who started megahertz mm -hmm. with his college buddies. So I took David, David Spafford to lunch. He introduced me to Ken Woolley, who they were just Ken Woolley and Spence Kirk were involved with megahertz. And they, at the time were just starting extra space storage. Um, and then I had some good early mentors at BYU, you know, some adjunct faculty, Gary Williams and John Richards. 
um, that I went and found in the entrepreneurship department. And they just started introducing me to other tech entrepreneurs. So uh, Josh James was someone I met early, early on. Mm -hmm. um, they had just changed their name to Omniture. Jonathan Johnson, who this the CEO of Overstock. Yep. Um, he kind of took me under his wing early on. He was the general counsel at Overstock way back then. Um, Tom Stockham, who was the CEO at um, myfamily.com, yep. which is now Ancestry. Um, Tom was another early mentor of mine. Um, you know, th there's really just too many to, to name. And it just was a web of people. And so it's like every single person I'd take to lunch, I'd ask for three or four new names. Yeah. You know, and that's how I got to know Blake Moderzitsky and, um, you know, a lot of the, the investors. Um, and it just kind of went from there. And it's, it's a practice I kept up for probably, really, I still do it today. Not, not, the same, not to the same degree. I'm not taking sure. a new person to lunch every day. But for that first probably five years of my career, I took, it maybe it wasn't every day, but it was probably three or four times a week. I was taking someone new yeah. um, to lunch to just pick their brains. And that's where I started to hear all these stories of how Utah was built. Yeah. Um, so to that point, I think a couple of the reasons we wanted to start this podcast was, one, there really is just incredible history here in the state of Utah. Yeah. And we wouldn't be sitting in this room together talking if it weren't for a lot of those people you talk, you just mentioned and a lot of others. Um, and a lot of it starts with Evans and Sutherland um, and the fourth node, the DARPANET at the University of Utah, which you'll hear plenty about. Um, the second reason is some of the learnings. A lot mm -hmm. of these people have been um, out of the game for a while now. They're not afraid to talk about learnings, failures, yeah. successes. Um, anything else I'm missing that we, we want to make sure we kind of set the table for? No, like I, I know in my career, I've learned most, most of what I, I know from the harder times, the darker times, yeah. the shadow side of company building. Like that's the other thing hopefully we can talk openly about with a lot of these people. I know 10 years ago, if you'd asked me about some of the stuff that happened in my career, I would have never wanted to talk about it, let anybody know about it. Mm -hmm. But the reality is, is like founders break up. Um, companies go under, uh, down rounds happen, layoffs mm -hmm. happen. And in the moment, it feels so hard to talk about, but that's really where a lot of the learnings are, are, are for the future, you know, kind of generations of company builders. And that's another thing I hope we can kind of get out of this Yeah, is get these people where, you know, they're talking about stories that happened 10, 20, 30 years ago, and they're, you know, they're totally willing to talk about what they learned. Um, you know, and maybe just the last thing is, just from the few conversations we've already had, few interviews, entrepreneurship today is probably a little too focused on private jets and Lamborghinis and high valuations and getting secondary off the table. When you hear about the early guys, they, that wasn't even in their universe that like they started companies, you know, maybe to make some money, but you're talking about just to support their family. But a lot of times it was because they were legitimately trying to change, change humanity yeah, or, change the world. yeah, or do something better to, to make um, the world a little bit better place because those like financial rewards, it was not the same at all. Even when I started, it wasn't the same. Yeah. You know, when I started in 2003, the, con the idea of selling a company for a hundred million dollars was so foreign, like that Absurd. never happened. Yeah. Um, and so hopefully, you know, a lot of that comes out as we kind of hear some of these stories, the why behind, you know, some of this happened. To that point, um, it just happened, you know, two months ago, but I don't think I'll ever forget it. Uh, you and I went to lunch at Thanksgiving Point with Alan Ashton. We kind of just talked about 
what we were doing with the podcast, our interest, you know, in his world with Thanksgiving Point and WordPerfect. And I will never forget how much excitement he still had for some of the weird, almost like hackathon type things that they did in the early days. And I remember thinking, it's very clear that the outcome for him was great financially, Mm -hmm. obviously, but he was actually just doing something he loved. So I think it's a great point. I think it shines through in a couple of the interviews we've done. Uh, And it's really fun to see. Yeah, yeah, it'll be good. So we're going to try and roughly come... Uh, or come out with these episodes chronologically a bit, um, really for people to understand the story of Silicon Slopes. Mm-hmm. It all starts with, you mentioned it, David and some, David Evans, Evans and Evan Sutherland yep. starting that computer science department in the 60s at the U. That's where Alan Ashton came from, who met Bruce Bastian and started WordPerfect. And then Ray Norna meeting um, a team of young engineers um, that started Novell. It really begins Super with set. WordPerfect Novell in the early eighties. And then the other, the other family, it's not tech, but the Millers, Larry Miller and Gail bought their first dealership in 1979. And those became, you know, those, those three companies still have very much shaped what Utah is today. So we'll kind of start there. Um, We're also going to have a a conversation with Blake Matarzycki and Jim Dreyfus about kind of what the venture landscape looked like Mm -hmm. and how that evolved. Cause I think that's important context for people to understand when these companies started, what the venture environment looked like, which in the case of WordPerfect and Novell, there was none. Um, Jim Dreyfus started the first venture fund in Utah in the mid 80s. Um, so uh, tell me if you disagree with me here. As we've talked to all these different parties, not all are tech. Mm-hmm. They don't view it as tech, non-tech, venture or not. They actually just view it as we brought up the community. Yeah. Do you agree with that? Yeah. Which 100%. I think is really interesting. Yeah, I mean, we asked Jim what, why he started that venture fund. He just said, I, I didn't know. Uh, he just wanted to make a difference. Um, and a lot of their early investments actually were life sciences yeah. because that's what was being spun out of the University of Utah. Um, Alan Ashton, he just wanted to, you know, he and Bruce Bastian, the, the, the origin for WordPerfect is they were trying to just create software so that the marching band, they could visualize the marching band's routines at halftime at Cougar Stadium. It's crazy. Um, so yeah, it's, they're, they're fascinating stories. A lot of these guys also, a lot of these people are getting, you know, up in years and we yeah. need to capture their stories while they're still around. Um, a lot, you know, a few have already passed away. You know, Ray Nord has already passed away. He was the first CEO mm-hmm. of Novell and Evans and Sutherland. They both have passed away. But, you know, while these, these folks are still around, we need to capture their stories. I think it's important. So one last thing before we wrap up uh, episode zero, restate the timeline because I think it's important for your founding dates kind of with your career. So you mentioned uh, Silent Whistle was 2000. I started that in 2003, my last okay. year of school. Um, so started that in 2003. Um, we sold that in 2009, like at the depths of the recession. Yep. Um, and my second company was, was Allegiance, um, which was the combination of a couple different businesses. There was a company here that had, had started uh, years before that was called Allegiance Technologies. And then I bought a company in Austin, Texas called Inquisit and smashed those together to create Allegiance. We sold that in 2014 to a company out of St. Louis. Um, and then I wasn't sure what I was going to do after that. And I took uh, Sid Crom and Hook and Gavin Christensen separately to lunch, just saying, hey, what I, should I do? I'm bored. Yeah. I, I agreed to stay on for a year. And they both told me about a, two entrepreneurs called RepDrive that they had just invested in. And that's when I got involved with RepDrive, which, as you know, became Podium. Um, so joined there full time in 2015. 
Um, and then I went, I had some pretty major health problems at the end of 2019. Um, you know, the story, I ended up having to leave podium early 2020 and took a year off and kind of, you know, went and found myself. Mm -hmm. Uh, we moved down to Southern California. Um, you know, and it's, it's a weird thing to go through that in your early forties where I'd always kind of been in the thick of company building. And then all of a sudden, like one day my phone stops ringing and people stop texting me. Um, and you really learn a lot about yourself of why you do what you do, what you want to accomplish for the rest of your career. So coming to Entrada, I kind of feel like has been the first few minutes of the second half of my career. Yeah. Um, I've learned a lot of stuff. I've met a ton of cool people, but you know, I've got, I'd say different motivations going forward than I probably had for the first half of my career. Mm -hmm. And hopefully I can, I can have a big impact on, you know, a lot more people than just me and my immediate family. Yeah. Um, yeah, that, that's my timeline. And well, I think it's interesting and why I ask it is because your career has spanned an era where there's so much appreciation for where this came from. You look at word perfect novel. We're talking about businesses that were really thriving in the eighties and nineties, right? Mm-hmm. Early nineties, I would, I would say for the most part. Um, so you look at that, you're, you're starting a business silent whistle, 2002, 2003, mm-hmm. you know, less than a decade after those companies were perfect in novel emerging. So the point being is you have a lot of context. You've actually been part of the community during a lot of the ride. If you look at it in, in kind of chunks, you know, there's the first generation, second, third generation, you've been able to ride both. And I think that your context and your knowledge really shines through in these, in these podcasts. Um, and I think it's good context for everyone to have in table setting for the rest of the episodes. Yeah. It, I'm super pumped to do this, to do this podcast. You're the one that kind of spurred this into action. It's something I wanted to do forever. I think it's super important and hopefully we make it entertaining. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm pumped. Cool. Well, um, that's episode zero. Uh, we're going to release a handful of episodes together. Um, for context for the listener, you, the listener, um, there are going to be some podcasts where we're just getting through a lot of the history, mm-hmm. but it really, really helps add context to all the other episodes you'll hear. There are some others where, you know, it's really funny. uh, It's really engaging. uh, We probably should get to more content than we actually did. Um, But at the end of the day, to Adam's point earlier, um, we're really just trying to, to, uh, you know, give a good record of the stories and the people who help build this community. So thanks for the support. Excited to do this with you, Adam, and hope you enjoy the episode. Go. Go.